Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. I'm Eric Patino. And I'm Conrad Toll. I'm going to tell you about this very bizarre encounter that I read. And it dates back to 2004. A man by the name of Peterson had a truly extraordinary experience. Now, while he was standing outside in his yard, he looked up and saw an enormous, glowing jellyfish floating in the air. Startled, he gasped, What is that? But before he could fully process what he was seeing, he suddenly blacked out and woke up in his bed. Now, Peterson described this event as a rupture of reality, insisting that it was not a dream. Six years later, in 2010, Peterson was laying in bed around 6am, kind of in that groggy state between wakefulness and asleep. You know the feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, when he began to feel a strange sensation during that period, he started shaking violently as if his very essence was being torn apart. Then, everything went black. The next thing he knew, he was walking down a tunnel towards an incredibly bright light, an experience that felt almost like a near-death encounter. However, when he passed through the light, he found himself in what looked like a giant aquarium where humans and dolphins were swimming together in a breathtaking display of beauty. This is how he described it. What really took Peterson aback was the sight of a humanoid figure with an oversized head and a huge gill-like structures on its neck. This was a sight that defied all explanation, and Peterson was left wondering whether he had stumbled upon a completely new form of life, or even perhaps an extraterrestrial species. As the humanoid figure with gill-like structures on its neck appeared before Peterson, it began communicating with him, not through words, but through their minds. The two beings were now connected in a way that Peterson had never experienced before. The being asserted Peterson that there was no need to be afraid, as they had arranged this meeting with him. It went on to explain that it and its companions were from somewhere in the constellation of Orion. As Peterson looked around the room, he noticed other strange-looking creatures and felt a sense of panic begin to arise within him. But just as he was about to lose control, the being looked into his eyes and calmed him down with kind of a hypnotic gaze. Now this flooded Peterson's mind with new information which he struggled to comprehend all at once. And that's when the being extended its hand. Now Peterson hesitated at first but ultimately took his hand. And as their cells joined he felt a deeper connection forming between them. However the flood of information became too much for him to handle. And in a moment of overwhelming clarity he saw a bright flash of light suddenly found himself back in his own bed at home. Now, this incredible experience left Peterson questioning everything he thought he knew about the world and his place in it. He couldn't help but wonder if he had just made contact with an extraterrestrial species and what that could mean for the future of humanity. So, you tell me, was this a dream or did this really happen? Have you ever had a hay fever dream, Conrad? Yeah, I don't know. The weird dreams that I've had, the fever-like dreams... Typically, you know that they are dreams. But what if you had such a vivid imagination? 
And you were the type of person that daydreamed on a daily basis. You know, you're constantly daydreaming about crazy things like jellyfish floating in the sky. I would assume if you're that kind of a person and you have a hay fever dream, maybe you probably think whatever you were witnessing was actually real. Perhaps. However... I've never heard of a jellyfish alien or a UFO before, but I have heard of balloon UFOs, but not that are similar. So I wonder if that is like the could be a balloon type of UFO and he was just seeing it from directly underneath and he could see in the bottom because I mean, think about it. If you were inside of a big balloon, like a hot air balloon, looking up into it, it would look like a jellyfish, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I I suppose it would. So if you're looking at a UFO balloon, I'm imagining describing it as a jellyfish from straight underneath would make sense. Though, I guess perhaps you're right. There's no reason to assume that it's not a crazy dream because I haven't heard a lot just like it. A lot of UFO ones will line up with others. Normally, the aliens aren't there trying to tell you, oh, there's no reason to be afraid. Normally, they're... um, non-responsive so it's weird that it is communicating to him so that's part does sound like a weird dream because in weird dreams everything talks to you the travis walton case is the most famous i think alien abduction story but if it's not the most famous it ought to be regarded as the most credible alien abduction story because there's a few different things first off there was other people there At the time of the abduction, the person himself is fairly credible. There was a lot of investigation that happened from authorities, just police and that sort of thing. And it all seems to check out in every single fashion. I suppose there was also a medical examination as well. In all respects, it seems to be a fairly the most credible story of alien abduction. Travis Walton was a lumberjack. He was out with a group of fellas, six of them total, and they had this special job where they were out clearing lumber, and they were there all day, and it was after the sun went down that they were headed back to town, all in the same vehicle. And as they approached a clearing and leaving the forest that they were cutting they spotted a blue light but they didn't think anything of it at first because i mean how often do you run across a light while driving and you never even think to remember it you're driving along at night and like there's street lights everywhere there's all these different light sources that things could be coming from and so they didn't think anything of it till they broke into the clearing and they saw that there was a floating saucer emitting a blue light right underneath it so they stopped and travis walton being a bit of a curious and i guess hot-headed fella hopped out and ran over to see just investigate and he wasn't scared of it at the moment he was just curious i guess he would assume they all assumed upon seeing it immediately that it was a ufo and if they didn't assume that immediately it didn't take them long to come to that conclusion the others started calling travis back because they're like hey buddy maybe uh, you know i wouldn't do that if i was you kind of a thing And he decided, all right, maybe I've seen enough. And so he goes to rejoin them. But before he can, the flying saucer starts to spin and gear up and make a a loud rumbling sound. 
and a great blue bolt of light comes shooting down out of this blind saucer and strikes Travis Walton in the chest and throws him about 10 feet. Upon seeing this, the others panic and flee, assuming that it's even possible that Travis was already dead at the time and that they were fleeing to save themselves. Upon getting a a distance away, they decide, you know, probably wasn't the best idea to leave him there. So they had a conversation about whether or not some of them would get out and one person would drive back to see if they could get Travis or if they should all risk going back together. And they decided upon all of them going back together. So they get back in the vehicle and they drive to the site again. And this flying saucer is gone and Travis Walton is gone. They get out, do a little search, look for him. They go, oh, okay, this is real bad. So they drive to a payphone and they call the police and they say, hey, uh, you've got to come out here. We've got a guy missing. You know, the story's crazier than you'll believe. And they were right. The police did not believe them and instead started a suspected murder investigation. They assumed, all right, you guys went out into the forest And then you come back with this impossible UFO story and say, the guy's missing. We'll never find him and see him again. Obviously, you've gone out there and murdered him and hit him somewhere. So they start this investigation, run polygraph tests on the six of them, and five of them passed and the other one had non-conclusive results, meaning not a pass, not a fail. They brought out large search groups. They couldn't find anything. Travis Walton's brother actually went out there and did searching himself because he figured that they killed him. And so he was digging through the brush piles that they had put out there. After they chopped up the lumber and whatnot, they put it in big piles to burn it off when it was safe. So that way the land would be cleared and ready for development or whatever they were going to do to it. So he was under the opinion that they must have hid away his body in one of those piles of lumber. So he was pulling them all apart and scattering out all the lumber and looking for his brother. And after five days, no sight had been seen of him. The media was all over it. Oh, there's a guy gone missing. and People are claiming he was abducted by aliens. Sheriff says they murdered him. Then there's one more thing about the searching that was reported that I want to touch on. And that is, there was... Now, Eric, tell me if you've heard this one. There was people out there searching for radiation. Now that, I do not remember. So, the people who were on the Lumberjack crew were talking to some people who were wearing red suits, three of them, and they were going around with this radiation detector, looking for radiation, and they weren't finding anything. And the... Lumberjacks got their hard hats and brought them over and said, well, here, why don't you try these? We were wearing them at the time that there was aliens abducting Travis Walton. And they got radioactive reading off of the helmets. And they go, okay, that's all we needed to see. And then they left. So as soon as they found a radiation trace on the helmets, those three guys packed up and left. And the sheriff, when they asked him later, he said, no, there was no people that I brought in to look for radiation. Those people were not with me. Huh. Yeah, I don't think I've heard about this. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting. So it shows a few different things. First off, that there was radiation involved, which don't know how that works with aliens, but it does kind of make sense if you're doing something crazy like aliens are doing that you've got some sort of radiation present. It's not un- 
uncommon that the UFO craft itself leaves behind radiation, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now, I'm assuming some kind of government agency found out about this Uh and that's why they were there. Yeah, I'm thinking, I mean, there's a few different ways they're doing it, but the fact that they were looking for radiation, but they weren't looking for any particular amount or anything. They were just trying to confirm that radiation existed there somewhere, which that's interesting. Or two, there was people who were unaffiliated who saw, oh, there's radiation levels here. We don't want to be here. And they left out of safety concerns for themselves, but they didn't mention it to anyone else. That's really weird. So those are the two theories I could come up with, is that there was a government agency there that were just trying to confirm radiation's presence, or that it was so severe that these guys who detected radiation decided to leave. But I don't think that was the case, because as far as I can tell, no one suffered any radiation poisoning from it. So if there's the government just trying to confirm radiation was involved, maybe there was a shadow investigation going on, maybe the Fed were thinking, heard about the story and all of that, where some group that had jurisdiction on it was going, well, we know about aliens and we know they create radiation. So if these guys are telling the truth, it'd be really easy to figure it out. Just go there, check around for radiation. And when we find radiation, we'll know that they're telling the truth. And that would be just the little piece of the puzzle that some other agency that's doing their own shadow investigation would know, okay, this was aliens and not murder, we don't need to pay any attention to it at all. Because if it's aliens, these lumberjacks will never get prosecuted for the death of the other guy because either the body will never be found or the guy will come back alive. And in which case, if you can't find a body, you can't prosecute for murder. And if the guy comes back alive, well, obviously can't prosecute for murder, so we don't need to do anything. And then they backed out at that point. That's the theory that I believe those three guys were doing. Hmm. Well, meanwhile, right. Travis Walton's been having a bit of a an experience, uh, <laughs> to say the least, because he remembers the night. I don't remember if he said that he remembered getting struck or not, but he remembered running up to the device and he remembered putting out vibrations so strong that he could feel it in his chest. And he remembered thinking, oh, I need to go back now. About the gist of where his memory ended then... The next memory that he had was thought he was waking up on a operation table and he thought, oh, well, I must be in a hospital. But then he quickly came to discover he was not in a hospital. He was in a spacecraft on a laboratory table and there was three aliens of the the regular description having large eyes, rounded heads, short bodies, gray skin, hairless. And the most interesting thing that he said in the description of them is that they were fairly weak because he was fairly frightened at him and shoved or struck one of them. And that one stepped back quite quickly. He said it was like it weighed almost nothing. So that's an interesting fact. Aliens are not very physical and build the grays anyway. 
the three aliens left him at that point and he got up and was trying to find an escape of some kind. And then a human wearing some sort of a suit with a helmet that protected his face with like a clear visor, almost like an astronaut's helmet, came in and guided him without saying a word into another room where there was other humans dressed up in a similar fashion. And they put him to sleep by putting this mask on his face. And then he woke up on the side of a road near a gas station and the flying saucer was leaving. And then I believe he called somebody, right? Yeah, he called his brother. And he believed that it was the same night that he got dropped off at, that he got picked up on. But it was actually four or five days later. So he calls his brother and says, you don't have no idea what just happened to me. I got abducted by aliens and I'm here at this another gas station and they come and get me. And his brother had a hard time at first even believing that he was talking to his brother because he had assumed at this point that his brother was dead and that his brother was in the process of trying to find his body so that he could get the murderers of his brother prosecuted properly. It's quite interesting, I suppose, I would imagine a relief to him to find his brother is alive. He comes, picks him up, takes him to a hospital, has him checked out. I think at first he didn't tell anyone that his brother had called because he didn't want his brother to get, I suppose, inundated with a lot of the news media that was around at the time. He gets to the hospital, they do a, an examination of him, there's no drugs in his system, there's a, a needle prick on his arm, but other than that, he's in mostly good health. There is one weird thing about his brain, where his brain shows unusual patterns inside of it, but that's only temporary, and after a short period of time, that pattern goes away and he's back to normal. He undergoes a polygraph test, and he passes. Overall, I believe it was something like 20 polygraph tests taken between him and the other lumberjacks, and they all pass. All of them have passed at least once, and none of them have ever failed. There is, I suppose, a few other things that interesting about it. That particular place that he was abducted from, he said, was one of the places in the world that is struck by lightning the most. So it was, or at least back in that time frame, it was a hot spot for lightning strikes. But nothing really special other than that about the place that he got abducted from. I do remember that Travis Walton, after coming back, maybe like a few days later, was just in like such a severe, like traumatic state. Yeah, he seemed to have been through a rough ordeal. They said that he was malnourished. Seemed like he had been through quite a thing. And he didn't realize that he had been gone for multiple days. He thought he was just returned the same night. So he thought at most it's been a few hours. Throughout the years gone many different places and done a lot of interviews they made a movie about him but apparently the movie's not very good at all i um, actually really like the movie well i haven't seen the movie but i think that the thing is not that the movie's a poor quality but that the movie is not accurate to his story right there were some liberties that the uh the movie ran with for the sake of making a good movie i suppose but yeah it's called fire in the sky I believe the main star was uh, James Gardner, who uh, came out in a couple of cowboy movies that I really like. Anyways, it's interesting to note that throughout the years, Travis Walton never changed his story. And neither did the other lumberjacks. Yeah, neither did the the other guys. 
what do you think about this? Do you think that they're telling the truth or do you think that they came up with a story, an idea, and ran mm-hmm. with it and stuck to the story that they were going to tell the media? Because that was one of the theories that everyone mm-hmm. was saying when Travis Walton came back mm-hmm. was they all invented the story for publicity, publicity stunt, or yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the idea was it was him and his brother, and they set up a hoax to fool the other lumberjacks to thinking that he got abducted. But one of the theories is they made a balloon of some kind, and they passed that, they used lights and that sort of thing to make it look like a ufo of some kind but i mean that's obviously not not the case you're expecting that two lumberjacks decide you know what we're gonna do we're gonna create this big old elaborate hoax and fool these other fellas into thinking that there's some sort of a ufo but here's four different things that is wrong with that one is i don't think that they would have had the resources to create that hoax Two, if they had that, there was one detail about the flying saucer that would have been almost impossible even if they had the resources for them to create. There was intricate design on the bottom of the flying saucer. And one of the fellas who was a lumberjack also was an engineer of sorts. Not an engineer, but a um, construction worker. He saw and recognized and appreciated the design on the bottom of that flying saucer. So not only would they have to have create this special balloon with all these lights, but they would have had to create something that this one guy would have been able to understand as good craftsmanship. So you have to have fooled a guy by putting good craftsmanship on a balloon. Another issue with that is if they have been trying to create some sort of elaborate hoax, how come it is that Walton's always passed the tests and then why would he never go back on his story? You know, he's always passed these um, polygraph tests. And then the other one is there was this massive search that ensued and he was never found by it. If he had been hiding out there in the forest, why would they have not found him? That doesn't make sense. The only thing is if they made up the whole story and the whole group of them made up a story together, but they went into independent interrogations and all of them stuck to the story. None of them have broken over the years. Be like, yeah, that was a hoax and we got you good. A lot of them, their lives changed negatively as a result of it. People, some of them have been disowned by their family of being a weirdo. So a lot of them have been negatively impacted and have no reason to continue through with it, but they do. So there is a little bit of an issue with Eric and I being in the position we are is we want the story to be true. So that does make us a little biased. But even that, I cannot think of a reason not to believe the story. There are a few theories about why the aliens would pick him up. And the most interesting thing that I've run across is there seems to be this prevailing theory that the aliens were sitting around doing their monitoring of Earth or whatever. And then they didn't even expect these people to come by and see them. And all of a sudden they look over and there's this guy running straight at him like, oh goodness, uh, oops. Well, didn't see those guys. All right, let's get out of here. And they rev up the engine and start to fly away. And then it has an electrical discharge and they zap a guy by accident. And they go, oh man, this is just getting worse. Oh well, guess we'll go back and pick him up, patch him up, and then uh, be on our way. One of the theories is the aliens didn't even mean to abduct him. They abduct him in a fashion because when Travis Walton woke up on the spaceship, he said he felt 
like something was very wrong inside of him. Like he had been mortally wounded. I mean, you've had a feeling where you just know that there's something in your stomach that's not right. Like, okay, this is different. This is a different kind of pain. He said he felt like something was seriously wrong. And one of the theories is the aliens accidentally killed him and they re resuscitated him. But one thing I have not heard anyone really talk about is the humans that were on the spaceship. Some people think that they were robots, I suppose, because they were described as lifeless. But I really have heard a whole lot on theories on them and like, why are there human looking things? Some people say that the aliens just dressed up so that way that Travis would calm down. It's a common thing with abductees. They say they're on a ship and they see other humans there. Really? Who knows? Yeah. Any final thoughts, Eric? If you are out in the wild and it's, uh, you know, in the evening or maybe late at night and yeah, see something bright in the sky, don't get out of the car and check it out. Just, just stay in your car and go home, you know? I would say get out the highest quality camera that you possibly can because we all know aliens run away from high quality cameras. Are you ready to dive deeper into the mysterious world of conspiracies? Look no further than our Patreon page for Bizarre Conspiracies, where we take our podcast to a whole new level. Here's why you'll want to become a patron. Exclusive episodes. As a patron, you'll gain access to a treasure trove of exclusive episodes that go beyond what's available on our regular podcast. John Trudell, the pirate radio broadcaster who was broadcasting from Alcatraz about Native American rights, or the history of the Satanic Panic. Another great episode we did was about declassified military and CIA projects. And my favorite, The Legend of Merlin. Additionally, patrons also enjoy an ad-free listening experience, and we want to offer the best audio quality possible. Patrons receive episodes at a higher bitrate, delivering superior sound quality that enhances your listening pleasure. We believe in building a community around bizarre conspiracies, and as a patron, you become an esteemed member of that community. You'll gain access to our messaging feature, allowing you to send messages directly to us. Have burning questions, suggestions, or ideas? Well, we're here to listen and engage with you on a more personal level. Join us on Patreon and become a member of the Bizarre Conspiracies Inner Circle today. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode.